This is Horticulture Hangover with Colleen Dieter and Leah Turner. Call or text your lawn and garden questions to 512-836-0590. Good morning, everyone. This is Colleen Dieter and the Horticulture Hangover Show. I'm a landscape consultant at atxgardens.com. Check out my website there, and you can call in or text me this morning at 512-836-0590 with your gardening questions or just tell me what's going on in your yard. Um, I'm so pleased because the monarchs are coming through. Monarch butterflies stopped at my house this week. I saw seven of them together in my yard the other day. Um, and I've been enjoying them every day and, uh, just wondering how the heck they can get anywhere, uh, because they appear to be so efficient, inefficient while they're flying, but I know they're heading down to Mexico to overwinter and um, they've been stopping to eat at my uh, lantanas. I have Dallas red lantanas in the front yard that are very reliable bloomers and look really beautiful. And then uh, I also have some Greg's mist flower that they're stopping at and uh, Henry Dulberg sage as well. And a couple of straggler common sunflowers that they've stopped at uh, that are left over from the summer crop of sunflowers. Uh, there's just a few that, that hung on all, all summer. So uh, it's been really fun seeing them. Uh, I relate to them and their migration because I'm originally from Cleveland, Ohio, uh, where a lot of them, you know, go for the summer uh, and then they fly all the way down here to Texas and beyond into Mexico for their migration. Um, but you know, I've been here for over 20 years now. So uh, let me know if you've seen any monarchs coming through this week or um, I'm really excited to see them, you know. Uh, let's see, today, the other thing I'm really excited about is my uh, volunteer group, Central Texas Seed Savers, which is a project of Fruitful Commons. Today at the Central Library in downtown Austin, we're having a seed swap from 11 to 1. Everyone's invited, all are welcome. You don't have to bring seeds to participate, we have so many seeds. Um, and the fun thing about the seed swap is that if somebody uh, grew that plant and was able to harvest seeds from it, that means they were successful with it, um, that they have enough seeds to bring to the swap. So the odds are really good that you'll be successful with that plant too. And what we're trying to do with the seed swaps is encourage everyone to grow plants that are really well adapted to this area, um, but aren't necessarily available from many commercial outlets. Um, so there's a lot of really good seeds that, you know, aren't available for purchase anywhere uh, 
Because there's just not enough people buying them to make it worthwhile for some of the seed companies to carry them. But for us, they're really, really valuable because they do so well here. So if we can all grow them, get together and grow them, uh, then we're going to have... Uh, we're going to have an impact there in preventing these really good varieties of plants from going extinct. So call me. Oh, so today that's the seed swap is at the public library in downtown Austin, the central library, October 28th. That's today from 11 to one. So come on down and see and see us. You can also check out our website at sentexseedsavers.org and you can sign up for our newsletter there and you'll get updates about all of our seed swaps because we have lots of seed swaps and classes throughout the year all over at different locations and if you have a gardening club or a neighborhood group or something like that um, we can help you set up your own seed swap which is a lot of fun, and even a seed library in your neighborhood. If you don't have a seed library at your public library, <clears throat> go in. All you have to do is go in and ask the librarians if they could set one up. Sometimes the librarians, they want to uh, undertake new activities like that, um, but they can't do it without public input. So all you have to do is go into the library Start asking librarians, ask multiple librarians multiple times if they can set up a seed library and um, Central Texas Seed Savers can provide seeds for the new seed library. And then folks can go into the library and take out seeds and then they can bring seeds back to the library too uh, for community seed sharing to preserve these unusual, rare, well-adapted uh, varieties of plants that are really important to us as gardeners here in Central Texas. Things that you may have never heard of before, like uh, one of my favorites is the Armenian cucumber. I think I've talked about it on the show before. That's how I got into seed saving in the first place. Um, and I was growing Armenian cucumbers in my vegetable garden maybe 10 years ago. I'd grabbed them, the seeds at the nursery and tried them and they were so wonderful. They produced cucumbers all summer. They're delicious. Even if they get really big, um, they still tasted good. They're tolerant of hot weather. They seemed uh, immune almost to uh, squash vine borers, cucumber beetles. I mean, they had cucumber beetles on them, but it didn't stop them from growing. Um, just didn't slow them down at all. And so the following year, I wanted to grow the Armenian cucumbers again, but I couldn't find the seeds anywhere. And I had to do a pretty deep internet dive to find the seeds. And uh, it was really hard. And I was really sad about it. And so I decided that summer that I would save the seeds myself from the Armenian cucumbers so that I could keep them and grow them every year after that. So call me up 
with your gardening questions. Maybe there's a variety of vegetables that you're interested in that you really like or a native plant that you really love that's hard to find at the nursery you want to tell us about. 512-836-0590. You can also text at that number. Um, I can answer all kinds of gardening questions, whether it's vegetables, butterfly plants. I'm a certified arborist. Um, and you can learn more about me at atxgardens.com. And um, more about that, on November 18th, from 10 o'clock to noon... Uh, my friend Megan, who works at Hill Country Water Gardens, Megan and I will be leading a tree identification walk at the Twin Lakes YMCA. Well, we're meeting at the Twin Lakes YMCA parking lot up in Cedar Park. And I know a lot of our listeners are up there. Um, so you can get more information about that to learn more about our local trees at treefolks.org under the events tab. That's treefolks.org under events, November 18th from 10 to noon. And that's also in partnership with Central Texas Seed Savers. And what we're doing is we're training folks to identify the trees and training folks to collect seeds from those trees. And then we're giving those seeds to tree folks and tree folks is a local tree planting and tree education organization because tree folks has all these awesome reforestation programs um, for example, after the Bastrop fires in 2011, they've gone in and planted hundreds of thousands of trees to replace loblolly pines that burned. Um, and also uh, trees for the Blanco program after the Blanco River floods in Wimberley. And uh, so they can't buy enough trees for their tree planting programs. There's a worldwide tree shortage now, but especially here in central Texas, it's really hard to buy large quantities of trees for a lot of reasons. And um, so what we're doing is partnering with them to collect seeds and then giving the seeds to tree folks. And tree folks is using those seeds in their reforestation programs and their community tree planting programs. And they are also starting their own nursery so they can grow uh, the seeds that we collect from them. And we're focusing on hard to find more rare native trees. Um, so things like post oaks, uh, rusty black haw viburnums, uh, big tooth maple, uh, trees that you just don't see very often, escarpment black cherry. We have a long list of trees that we're looking for that you just don't see at the nursery very much that aren't available to buy. So um, that is work that's really near and dear to my heart. Uh, I feel like that's my life's work is trying to get more of these native trees into nursery production. 
and I'm really excited about it. So more about that after the break. This is Horticulture Hangover with Colleen Dieter and Leah Turner. Call or text your lawn and garden questions to 512-836-0590. Hey, y'all, we're back with the Horticulture Hangover. I'm Colleen Dieter with ATXGardens.com. And I've got a text from a listener here. says, I have an organic garden. Good for you. I'm so glad you're gardening organically. Um, And they say, I am currently growing cauliflower and cabbage and have little white flies and caterpillars eating the plants. What would you recommend for pest control? Okay, so that's really common early in the season when it's been unseasonably warm. Um, Boy, yesterday the heat index was 95 and I was really feeling it. Um, when you first plant your cool season crops like cauliflower and cabbage, and that also goes for kale and uh, chard and collards and mustard greens, um, beets, all that kind of stuff, and it's still real warm outside, they are more susceptible to um, lots of bugs. So it's just about getting them through this first phase and the weather's going to change next week. Thank goodness. Actually, I think even sooner, maybe Sunday night, it's going to cool down. But in the meantime, um, white flies, the little white flies, they're just called white flies. Um, I know it's not a very creative name, but there they are. They're the white flies. And then uh, the caterpillars are really common too. Uh, Those are uh, cabbage loopers, usually a little green caterpillars sometimes they're kind of gray so um, the caterpillars if you can squish them with your fingers as much as possible do that Um, and then the other thing I recommend when it rains a lot like this thank goodness it's raining so much but sometimes we get white fly outbreaks because of extra moisture so um for both the caterpillars and the white fly, I, I recommend using neem oil. I think just try one application if it's a really bad infestation. Um, neem oil is a good option for killing both. Only Make sure you only use it on those plants because neem oil kills everything. It'll kill your beneficial insects too. So use it sparingly, um, but that would work for both of them. Um, all, the other thing that I've had good luck with with uh, white fly that Howard Garrett recommends is uh, soil drenching with liquid humate, um, which is surprising. I don't really understand the connection, but it worked for me. Um, using liquid humate as a soil drench can help reduce the white fly pro- population. So that's you know interesting. Um, so try those things. Uh, and really, like I said, it's about getting them through this hot weather. Um, and then once the weather cools off, you should see fewer white flies and uh, fewer caterpillars um, until it, get, it gets warm again. Okay, the other thing you can do, a lot, of, a lot of gardeners will cover their cool season crops uh, with floating row cover, you know, white fabric. And um, that helps shade them 
a little bit and keeps them a little cooler when it's hot outside and also prevents the moths uh, from laying their eggs on the plants. And that's and then the eggs hatch and those are the caterpillars. It's the cabbage looper moth. Um, so you can do that if you bought plants at the nursery. Sometimes they already have the eggs laid on them when you buy them. So you can search, uh, search the plants for eggs uh, when you first buy them. So even if you covered them, you'll still get caterpillars sometimes. Um, and that's the story. I think you're going to be fine. The other thing about vegetables is, you know, some of the sprays and stuff are so expensive um, that it's kind of like if the plants really get eaten really bad, like more than half of the plant has holes in it from the uh, caterpillars, you might as well, you might just think about getting new plants and starting over because that's going to be in some ways less hassle than trying to spray them. So consider that too, especially because it's so early in the season, you still have time. All right. Let's see, I have another text message. Thanks for the texts, y'all. Longtime listener, first time caller. My potted pothos vine is curling into itself. Any advice for helping it straighten out or is it just genetics? Fantastic show. Thanks, Colleen. <laughs> well, thank you for that text message. I think someone special who I know sent me that text message. I believe it was my spouse, Eric. Um, and we do at our house have a pothos vine that is curling in on itself. And um, I think it's because we move it too much. Like every time we take it out of the um, hanger, it's hanging near a window in the living room and we have to take it out of the hanger to put it in the sink to water it. And then when we put it back, it kind of has to readjust itself to um, reach the light by the window. So I think that's why it's kind of curling around instead of trailing down the way that they ought to. So, um, you know, I always say plants don't like to be moved. Uh, they're really meant to be <laughs> in one place. <laughs> and so we're moving that plant a lot. So I think that's why it's curling in on itself. I remember when we first got it, I was sort of watering it in situ. And um, we were, it was getting real, real long. And I trimmed it. Uh, so... And then after that, it started curling, I think, because it was leaking on the floor. So we were taking it into the, into the kitchen sink to water it. So I think that's what's going on. And I've been meaning to talk with you about it <laughs> and forgot. <laughs> so, all right, let's see. I got a, another text. Oh, yes, that person with the cauliflower and cabbage loopers said, great, thank you. You're so welcome. Thank you for texting in. And we have a caller from Dennis and Maynard. Hi, Dennis, you're on the on the air. Hi, thank you for taking my call. Sure. 
about two or three months ago, someone texted y'all, and I'm not, I think it was to one of your private uh, texts, not to the KLBJ text, oh. and they asked what kind of weed that was. I think they had a photo, and mm. y'all said it was some, it, I know it started with a state, you know, it was something like Virginia weed or Connecticut weed or something, it had a state name. Do you remember what that, what that was? Oh, darn. Um, maybe Virginia Creeper? Did that sound right? No, that not, uh... It had a state name, but it wasn't Virginia Creeper. But it was a, it was something that y'all thought that um, is probably common, and, but y'all didn't know what it was. But y'all recognized it, or you wanted, you were going to try to remember it. So when you, you saw it in someone's yard, you would uh, recognize it. But I can't remember what the state was. Well, memory is a strange thing because I don't remember either. Um, did you feel like you? Had it at your house, or were you just curious? Well, I didn't. I was going to look it up. Um, I just, ah. I just heard the name, and uh, y'all saw it on the text, the, the photo. Okay. But I was going to uh, look it up later, but I didn't write it down, so I don't remember what it was. Oh, Dennis, me neither. Okay, but I will think about it, and if I remember during the show today, I will say. Okay. Thank you. Thanks, Dennis. Thanks for calling. Okay. Bye. Okay. Next, we have Don and Westlake. Hi, Don. This is Colleen. How are you doing? Good, Colleen. How are you? Good. Nice to hear from you. Yeah, well, love your show. Thank you. And I always got to mention that uh, you came out and walked my property with me, and that was so valuable. And if if, uh, anybody's interested in that, go to your red wheelbarrow side and sign up. Thank you so much, Don. Yes, I had a great time with you at your place and I still want to come over and collect yeah. tree seeds. Right. And yeah. I'll probably have you out uh, in the spring to look at things again. Okay. Don, what's... My question... Yeah. What's yeah, my question today is I bought some plumbago and some lantana and I was getting ready to put them in the ground, but then I'm looking at the temperatures next week. Yes. And I'm wondering, uh, you know, we got one day that it's supposed to get to 31 for mm-hmm. a low mm-hmm. and a uh, high of 44 or something like that. So okay. I'm just curious if it'd be uh, advisable to those today. Okay, Don, we're going to have a cliffhanger. Don, do you mind holding on the line while we go to the news at 830? It's very important. <laughs> okay. All right, All right. So hang in there and we're going to have a cliffhanger. And I'll answer your question when we get back. Welcome to the Horticulture Hangover on News Radio KLBJ. You're in the right place to get answers to all of your questions about your lawn, garden, trees, and more. Here are your hosts, Colleen Dieter and Leah Turner. Good morning. And we're back. This is Colleen Dieter and the Horticulture Hangover Show. And we've got Dawn on the line. Don, thank you so much for holding through the commercial break. Sure. Can you repeat your question, Don, for everybody? Yes, I, I bought some plumbago and lantana, mm-hmm. and I was going to put them in the ground today, but I'm a little worried about the cold temperatures next week. Yes. And wondered what your advice was on that. Great, Don. Thank you. Yeah, this is a perennial question about perennials. Um, so, if you put them in the ground now... Um, there is a chance if there is a freeze uh, and they're not established yet, there is a chance that they could die and that they wouldn't have enough starch stored in their roots to be able to grow back next spring. 
Um, so you could wait until after the freezing temperatures pass and put them in the ground. Um, but you still run that risk because we're getting into the time of year where we start having, you know, usually semi, semi-regular below freezing temperatures. So, um, so you're still going to have some risk even if you wait until after this bout of cold weather um, passes. What, excuse me, what about covering them? Yeah, covering uh, could help. Yeah, covering them would help. Make sure if you cover them, make sure that you use fabric. Do not use plastic, okay? And that will help. Make sure you water them well, and that helps a lot. But the truth is, um, the when you plant, it's inevitable that there's going to be some root damage, and they're trying to get used to their new home, and that's hard on them. And so there's some risk that they could die there's also a really good chance that they'll be just fine, too. Um, so, that sounds good. Yeah, you can decide, Don. So it's We've just tough at this time of year. Covers for sure. Okay. That's, it. That's and, good. Uh, the last question is, uh, it looks like my blue bonnets are already starting to come up. Could that be? Yes, it is. It is time. Oh, I've right. been wondering. I've been looking in my little patch to see if any have come up yet, but not yet. But, yes, it is the time of year where... The blue bonnets start sprouting and you'll see little rosettes of leaves close to the ground coming up. This rain is perfectly timed for them. So the rain we've been having, this is just the right time when the blue bonnets start coming up and they'll be little tiny rosettes of leaves, little circle of leaf leaves close to the ground all winter until until they bloom in March. So I'm that so glad. Good. Yeah. How did it go, Don? You called a couple of weeks ago to ask about your boxwoods and replanting yeah. them in pots. How did that go? Well, uh, I had them do a couple of them, the worst ones. Mm. And I'm kind of doing a wait and see how that's going. Okay. Uh, but I already see a lot of new growth, so Ooh. that's encouraging. Okay. Well, that's My great. My problem was I only bought like uh, three sacks of potting soil and I had them plant a bunch of other stuff as well so i ran out of potting so before they could get all those boxwoods back on the pool patio yep don that's a non-stop problem that i think every happens to everybody anytime you try to replant something it always takes more potting soil than you think it's going <laughs> to <laughs> it's never yes, feel like i never get that right so yep. <laughs> all right don well thank you so much for your questions and i'm really glad to hear from you and thanks thank so much you, for Colleen. your support Okay, talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Yeah, y'all, so I went out to Don's house and I think in the spring and uh, did a consultation for him. If you visit my website at atxgardens.com, you can see the um, services that I offer. Or I'll come out and walk around with you and answer all of your questions in person. Um, and it's a lot of fun and uh, helps a lot of people gain more confidence in their plans, you know, trying to figure out what to do sometimes really hard. Um, it's hard to decide on a plan sometimes for the yard. It can be really overwhelming and uh, especially because things change so fast. Um, you know, the seasons change so fast here in Austin and uh, it can be really hard to keep up 
with gardening tasks and uh, a lot of times my customers just at the end of the session just feel so much better to know that you know the problems that they're having are really common problems that a lot of people have and I can offer solutions for you and so I really appreciate Don's um, ongoing uh, loyalty as a customer and a listener of the show so uh, let's see here I've got a couple of text messages um, okay here's a text message it says hey there love your show I asked Cheryl this question last week and I missed her answer because someone called me. Oh, darn. Okay, let's see. Uh, we planted a few pecan trees about two weeks ago. They weren't in the best shape when we purchased them, but their leaves have since started getting this brown stain to them. We were very careful on the process when we planted them. We've had lots of success with other trees. What's going on with the pecan tree? Okay, let me take a look at the picture. You know what? That is sunburn. Um, and that is totally okay. Um, when you get a tree from the nursery and they're grown in certain conditions, maybe shady conditions at the nursery, the leaves are adapted to those conditions. And then when you move the tree, and plant it in a new location, and the location is different in any way, uh, the leaves are not adapted to that location, and so the tree will decide these leaves aren't working for me anymore. I'm going to drop them all, and I'm going to grow some new ones. And also, it's fall. It's time for the pecan trees to start losing their leaves, even the new little baby ones. Um, so it's okay for pecan tree leaves, even though they haven't really started dropping a lot yet, they start looking funny. <laughs> so it's just really normal. I think you're doing everything right with the pecan trees. Um, don't worry. They'll be back in the spring with their new leaves that are better adapted to their new home. So you're going to be all set. Um, okay. And then this person has another question. One other question. We also planted a Japanese maple. I've heard they tend to struggle here. Any suggestions on how I can promote the best health for it? Yes. So Japanese maple. Oh, I see this other question. We, ha we also have a new rainwater collection system. So the only water they're getting is rainwater. Thanks so much from Ashley and Drippin. All right, Ashley and Drippin. So yeah, watering with rainwater for the Japanese maple is going to really be good for it because they much prefer the neutral um, pH of the rainwater to our alkaline well water or city water that we have around here. So that's going to help. Since you're in Drippin, you're going to have better luck with the Japanese maple over there, believe it or not, than people in central Austin or on the east side where we have cotton root rot disease in the soil because they're susceptible to cotton root rot in places where cotton has been grown historically. So on the west side, you're in better shape. Make sure it has afternoon shade. That's key. Afternoon shade. And this is Colleen with the Horticulture Hangover, atxgardens.com, and we're going to go to the break. 
This is Horticulture Hangover with Colleen Dieter and Leah Turner. Call or text your lawn and garden questions to 512-836-0590. Good morning, y'all. We're back. Thanks, listeners, for tuning in. This is Colleen Dieter with ATXGardens.com, and this is the Horticulture Hangover Show. Um, I got a great text message here, a question about an oak tree, a live oak tree. And it says, I'm waiting just a bit to prune the lower part at the end of my grandma oak to reduce weight and raise the lower part some. Do you think this limb needs to be supported from below? I've included a close-up of where it attaches to the trunk. There's dark striations. Do they indicate anything? Almost looks like an anomaly. Okay, I love this picture that this person sent of Grandma Oak. Um, You know, it has this incredibly long, really beautiful horizontal branch extending way, way far out from the base of the tree and if this were any other species besides live oak I would say whoa that branch is way overextended um, and it needs to be removed but on a live oak that is totally normal and um, this person also included a little marked up photo of where they're planning to prune the live oak branch which is very helpful and I think you're doing the right thing by removing weight. Um, You could support that branch from below if you wanted to. That's not, it's not necessary. Um, On a live oak, the wood is so, so strong. Um, That's the kind of thing where if you were in a public park, a public space where the branch is extending over a a walkway or something like that, uh, the arborists a lot of times would create a a support out of steel, uh, steel pipe to help hold that branch up. Um, But uh, on your private property, there's low risk of anyone being injured by that. And it's pretty low risk that that branch is going to break. So um, because the wood on the live oaks is so incredibly strong and they're adapted to grow horizontally like that, they've evolved that way to grow horizontally. So I think you're okay. Um, It's one of those things where if you wanted to support it, you could, but you really don't have to. Um, And the trimming that you're proposing is perfect for removing weight from the end of the branch, uh, removing smaller branches that are coming off of the end of the branch uh, to lighten the load a little bit. And then as far as the dark striations go, where the branch is attaching to the trunk... I think that could be um, some included bark there, uh, but I'm not overly concerned about it. And included bark is where you have two two branches or a branch in the trunk uh, that are coming off at steep angles to each other sometimes. And uh, as they grow in diameter, those two limbs kind of get bark trapped between them um, and that bark sometimes can start to decay and again if this were on any other species besides live oak I'd say 
oh boy, that's a problem. But on a live oak, it's really not, uh, it's really low risk of anything going wrong there. So um, gotta love those live oaks and how incredibly strong the wood is. So I think you're in really good shape. You're doing the right thing. Waiting a little while to prune is really smart to prevent oak wilt disease. Oak, live oaks and red oaks are susceptible to a fungus called oak wilt disease that is fatal to the tree. It is treatable, but it's very expensive and complicated to treat. So prevention is the best thing and you can prevent the spread of oak wilt by pruning the trees when it's very cold or very hot. Okay, so late fall into winter which is coming up late fall is next week, November. Um, and then getting into December, January are really good times for pruning live oak trees uh, to prevent the spread of oak wilt. It's also a good time for pruning trees in general uh, when they start, the other trees start losing their leaves and go dormant. So great job protecting your oak. Thank you so much for the text message. That's a really good example and I think really valuable because so many people have live oak trees and um, it's important to understand them and, and they are different from other trees because they of the way they grow so far horizontally and um, how their wood is incredibly strong so that they can hold themselves up and be able to hold all that weight out so far away from them. So really cool, beautiful pictures. Thank you for sending those. So y'all, this is Colleen with the Horticulture Hangover Show. I'm Colleen Dieter. My website is atxgardens.com. And I am a landscape consultant and I help my customers by alleviating their anxieties about their yards. So if you have any... Um, problems with your landscape. Maybe you're uh, arguing with your spouse perpetually about the yard. can be a sore spot in some households. Uh, I can come out and settle your bets, basically. <laughs> I could come out and give you advice about what to do where, you know. I can help you if you've had some bad luck where plants keep dying and you can't figure out what's going on um, or maybe you have some erosion problems now that it started raining again uh, you can call me up check out my website atxgardens.com and see the services that I offer you can make an appointment there with me and um, it'll be a lot of fun I'll walk around with you and answer all your questions and this is the Horticulture Hangover Show, and I have just a few seconds left, so I hope you all have a great week. Get ready for the cold weather. Make sure you get ready. If you have a citrus tree in a pot, get ready to bring it inside or cover it up or push it close to the building to protect it. And so I'll see you next week. Happy gardening.